Faith here with your welcome toast. It was Oscar Wilde who said, after a good dinner, one can forgive anybody, even one's own relatives. Merry Christmas, baby. Sure, that treat never nice. I said, Merry Christmas, baby. You sure did treat me nice. Bought me a diamond ring for Christmas, and I feel like I'm in paradise. All right. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine, y'all. Got my music on the radio. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We can't wait for this show. Dory Greenspan is in the studio with us, and she brings what we need, her new cookbook called Everyday Dory, featuring delicious recipes that are easy and ones she makes at home for family and friends. We're talking about hearty soups, her knockout desserts. I personally can hardly wait to talk with her about this. Bourbon pork roast. This is a new favorite of hers, and it's in the book. Bourbon pork, a match made in heaven. My treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, who joins us from KJZZ in Phoenix, senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken, and one of the best cooks I know, our special guest, Dory Greenspan. Hey, everybody. Hey, Pete. Hey. We are in our studios at the Big G Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven, where we have the use of five professional kitchens, as you know by now. It's part of Gateway's culinary education program. It is the most fun in the world. Okay, here's the first thing I thought it would be fun to talk about. Florence Fabricant in the New York Times did this piece on a lobster roll recently, and I thought, well, this is kind of an unusual, right? It's an unusual time for doing this. But when I read it, I was beside myself. So I'm giving her credit because she says... There's a place called Luke's Lobster, and they give you a roll stuffed with lobster and then piled high with Petrosian caviar. Oh, it's a buttery oh, roll. Oh. That's a great combination. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. Mm-hmm. When are we going? She says, and there were several of these Luke's locations, you can order them through the end of the year with a little tin of Petrosian caviar. It's from Siberia. Just throw it on top of the lobster. So the lobster is $45, including a bag of potato chips. So as she... <laughs> That's what I love with my caviar is potato chips. Really. Actually, it's a great combination. It's a really good combination. Oh, it's good, yeah. We just need some champagne now. So she says in her piece, do the math. The lobster roll is usually $16. Here, you get 20 grams of caviar, which regularly costs $65 for 30 grams. It's a deal, especially... If two of you buy one additional plain lobster roll and share the caviar, she said there's enough, but, you know, there's never enough. (laughs) Here's where Luke's Lobster, 
you can find them at 242 East 81st Street. That's 2nd Avenue in the city, Dory. Uh, there's one closer to me, Amsterdam Avenue. I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> 426 Amsterdam <laughs> Avenue. Just go online and see where they are. There's about three or four of them. There's one in Las Vegas, Boston, Washington. But what a deal. And I know a lot of people will go in for the holidays into the city if you're not listening from the city itself. And if you are, I'd make a beeline over there. May I just pipe up with a little lobster roll something? So I just got back from Paris yesterday. I love saying that. Actually, what I love to say is I'm going to Paris tomorrow, but never mind. There's a lobster roll place on Avenue Britannia in Paris, and they serve two kinds of lobster rolls. One with mayonnaise, cold, and they serve what they call a Connecticut lobster roll. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Is that incredible? A warm lobster roll with butter. I was so surprised. I'm kind of speechless for a minute. It says right there. Connecticut Connecticut. lobster roll. Wow. Isn't that great? You felt proud. Oh, I was so happy. Of course, I stopped and talked to them. I'm from Connecticut. Yeah. (laughs) And they serve it on brioche. Of course they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. No caviar. Oh, yet, yet. (laughs) Until you go back and tell them. That's what we're doing in Connecticut. Now that Dory's here on the whole show, everybody, which we're thrilled about, this is the thing. We got an email from somebody. Fuchmoo's listener, Jeffrey Fisher, wrote to us recently to request Christmas gift suggestions. He said, in 2016, I gave my three adult children Aleppo powder for Christmas. After hearing you describe it on one of your shows, it was a hit. It launched a new tradition of giving an interesting spice or herb, rarely used by us as home cooks. Can you help me preserve this tradition and suggest some more of your favorites? I'll be listening and look forward to making you part of our holiday once again. I just love that. So, Jeff, we would love to make suggestions, and you even have Dory Greenspan here who's going (laughs) to probably make some. Um, I love this tradition. And before I list a few favorites, I want to invite... You, as you listen, everybody that means, to write us on Facebook with a spice or herb that you think Jeff and all of us should try. What do you put your spice on or in? Tell us on Facebook, and that's Faith Middleton Fuchmoose on Facebook. When I get spices to give as gifts for people or for myself, Mm -hmm. I go to a health food market where there's a lot of turnover and they're fresh. It's so Mm. much better. I mean, I love supermarkets for what they give us. However, those little tiny jars that have been sitting around for a long time are so expensive that it can cost $50 before you've done anything. Yeah, I go to Middle Eastern markets. Those are great prices and fresh, fresh herbs. And there's a place in New York that Dory knows. Oh, yeah. And that th- those Second of us who Avenue. love international food. Oh, you're saying Second Avenue? No, no, I'm oh, saying Kalu- Are we thinking yeah. Kalustians? Yeah. 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 It's a great place Kalustians to go. Kalustians is yeah. its name. Okay. And you can also buy online from Kalustians. Okay, here we go. So, Jeff, I love Zatar. Now, this is a Middle Eastern spice mixture, and, you know, sometimes it varies from country to country. It's thyme, oregano, toasted sesame seeds, and sumac, which makes it have this sort of tangy. I put it on everything. I put it on (laughs) eggs and chicken and mashed potatoes. You know, you name it, and I'm sprinkling zatar on things and meats. Well, I, Do you like it? Yeah, well, it's in something you it's just... In, yeah, it, it's in a couple of my recipes. Do you know, it's not a spice. It's not dry, but I love <laughs> preserved lemons. Oh, yeah. 
You're only supposed to use the rind, but I end up using the whole lemon. I toss it into salads, into pastas. I use the Mm -hmm. liquid, you know, the salty liquid from the lemons Mm -hmm. in a vinaigrette or a marinade. When bluefish time rolls around, it's great to put a little bit of that in there. never thought of that. And you can make your own. They're not that difficult. They're not hard. Well, they're not hard. But you need to be more patient oh, yeah. Yeah, than I am. It takes a while. In in my book, I did a recipe for something I called lemon goop, and it has the flavor <laughs> of preserved idea. lemon, but you just make it quickly. You have to wait for those lemons. Yeah, weeks, weeks, weeks. Right? <laughs> they're yeah. worth it when, when they're When I want it, I want, want it, it now. now. So you can buy them. There right is now. a quick way to make preserved lemons. Ooh, Someone on the that. show once told us about this, cool. and we'll post it so, oh, great. so that you can see it. But I think preserved lemons make a great gift. That is a wonderful idea. (laughs) Okay, and goop, yes. Now, Chris, you have one. I only have one, (laughs) and it's my favorite. It's called tajin. It's spelled T-A-J-I-N, and it's a Mexican spice blend or mix, and all it is is sea salt, chili pepper, and dried lime zest. And I'm telling you, this stuff is amazing on anything. anything. You put it on mm. like, yeah, we toss like French fries in it. It's really good. Oh. If you have kids playing soccer in the backyard, just take orange wedges and dip it in there and give them to them. And baked it's potato. so. Oh, yeah. Baked oh, I was potato. just going to say potatoes. Yep. Yeah. Popcorn. Popcorn. Anything. And I have a list of people I give it to every year. Chris, I'm on that list. Yeah. And so. <laughs> May I be on yes, that list? Yes, you're going to be Thank on that you. list now, Dory. But it's really good. And it's cheap. You buy it by it's, the crate. Oh, it's, it's really so cheap. It's so cheap. And it is. It's so delicious, and there's there no no weird chemicals no, in it. No, it's just those three things. It's natural. just those three things, yeah. and I was like a <laughs> maniac. I sprinkled it on everything I could find, oh, and yeah. it's just really so delicious. My, Put it on fish with a little pat of butter. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. Am I the only one who sprinkles it on your palm and you lick it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. so you can find it online, and you can find it in, like, Spanish markets We'll or call Mexican it tagine, market. even tajin. though you really say yeah, tagine. Tajin. Yeah. Okay. How about a margarita? Tajin. Rim a glass Ooh. with lime. Oh, there you go. I just got something as a present that I haven't had time to open yet, but it's date syrup. Ooh. Yeah. I'd like to try that. A liquid? Like a syrupy liquid? It's a syrup. Yeah, it's kind of in the kind of squeeze thing that a honey bear um, is. So you can drizzle it. Yeah, by the same people who, SOOM, S-O-O-M, who make fabulous tahini. And so I'm thinking it could be good on... Mm. What about hot tea, like jasmine tea or something? Yeah. Vanilla ice cream. Right. Maybe over brownies. Maybe. Brownie sundae. In risotto with something. Salty like pork. A little salty or spicy maybe. uh, Or over cheese. You said risotto. I thought, you know, cheese. Gorgonzola. Yeah, I think it could be really interesting. I'm looking forward to playing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Faith, you're thinking like a tagine, right? How you, you add some sweetness to the rice, mm. like in northern Africa. I, I almost never add sweetness to things unless I've got a, a countering thing, you know, like acid is in there somehow so that it has this balance. And so it would be really fun to me. I was thinking, oh, I could put it on this, and then I could put a squeeze of lime or lemon. Just mm. really interesting. Cocktails okay. or sangria, yum. So, Jeff, I love something called Zatar, and it's spelled Z-A-A-T-A-R. It's Middle Eastern. It's a spice mixture. I sprinkle it on 
absolutely everything I can find. I'm just crazy about it. It has a kind of tangy quality to it. And when you hear what's in it, you think that doesn't sound tangy, but you'll see in a minute. It varies slightly from region to region in the Middle East, and you get it here. It's a mixture of thyme, oregano, toasted sesame seeds, and here's the tang part, sumac. Mm. I put it yogurt, vegetables, chicken, fish, tortilla chips, soup. There you go. Alex, what do you want to do? How about saffron? It's expensive, but you do a little paella pan for someone, you give them a paella recipe, and then you get them the Spanish rice, and you give them a little vial of saffron. You have an instant paella kit. Nice. For saffron, you know what a good way, too, is if you go on, like, Amazon, you can get the whole ounce, which is more saffron than you could ever use in a lifetime. It's a big container. It's about $35, $40, and then break it up into little, like, vials or little little plastic envelopes, and then you could do a whole batch of it. Because buying those little vials gets so expensive. Can, Can I ask you, Dory, and Alex, you too, being Spanish, I never know exactly when I'm supposed to use saffron. I can't even tell you what it tastes like. I know I love it when it's in something, but can anybody here tell me what it does, how I should use it in terms of thinking. Steep it like a tea. So it's really delicate. They say there's like 150 compounds, which is why you can't detect exactly what it is. But you know it gives it that beautiful saffron, yellow, gold color. But someone described it as like, hey, you know, there's an aromatic component. But when I do a paella, I do the hot water, and then I add the threads, and instantly that water will turn this gold and red color. Mm-hmm. And I'm very delicate with it. So from that point on, I'll add it to the paella, but you don't want to destroy it by boiling it to death. It's delicate, but steep it like a tea. Yeah, and also it's interesting that you say, hey, it's the kind of thing that if asked to describe it, I couldn't come up with a word that would tell. And yet, when you taste it, you know exactly mm. that, ah, mm-hmm. that's saffron. Yes. Yeah, because it's very unique. It's also good in cookies. A tiny, oh, yeah. tiny little oh, bit. I remember you a had a cookie recipe bit. with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a few yeah. threads yeah. in the dough. Is that how you do it? Tiny bit. Yeah, you can mash it in with the butter. Okay, Robin Doyen Aiken. We're with Doy Greenspan, by the way, who, lucky us, is our guest for the whole show. And shortly after we finish Spices as a holiday present, We're going to talk about Dory's brand new book, which I have read every word of. We've tested (laughs) the recipes in the book. (laughs) This is called Everyday Dory, and it is the way she cooks. This is easy at home, things we can all do. So we're going to get to that very shortly. And the shepherd's pie in there is going to just kill you. Okay. So my spice that I have been known to give someone is not necessarily exotic, but it does inspire them to bake for me. And that is that uh, I love to give people a really nice jar of cinnamon. That is like my favorite spice. And you know that they're going to use it, that they probably have recipes already that they are using a, a supermarket cinnamon for. But I am always looking for an excuse to walk through the Penzies spices in West Hartford. (laughs) So right around holiday time, people know they're probably going to be getting from me a beautiful jar of cinnamon, um, Vietnamese cinnamon, because it's the strongest, the boldest cinnamon. Mm -hmm. Inevitably, they always say, I'm going to bake something, and then I will give you some. Okay. (laughs) There's a a motive. Sure. It's a great idea. idea. (laughs) Yes, I say, well, if you have to, okay, I will accept a baked good. I love that idea Uh, that it's something that we all think we know. 
and yet you're taking it up one level and giving people something that they know but that's even better. That's yeah. really nice. It is nice, Robin. So I went online, Jeff, and found a bunch that I know, and a couple I don't. One is gomasio, which is a Japanese condiment, and really it's more like the spice. It has toasted sesame seeds that are ground up. They grind them up with coarse salt, and it is delicious on things and in things. So on vegetables, rice, baked potatoes, on top of a soup, really, really good. You like that too, Dory, right? So jerk spice is one that I really like, although when I go to Jamaican restaurants, I cannot tolerate the amount of heat. It's just not too much. much. So I went online, Jeff, for you to find out, can I really get my hands on jerk seasoning that is low heat? And it turns out it's all over the place. It consists of red and black pepper, allspice, cinnamon, and thyme. It's great on chicken, lamb, in potato salad. If you've got people who appreciate heat and they want it hot, you can find it. You'll (laughs) definitely find it. Please tell us and Jeff, Jeff Fisher, what spice you think we should try and what do you put it on or in? Faith Middleton, Food Schmooze on Facebook, and I cannot wait to hear what you say, because this is going to give us ideas, not only to gift to people, but for us to try at home, too. Cooks, yeah. We're going to talk to Dory next about her new cookbook, and the recipes you're going to hear about are going to inspire you. You're going to want to start cooking, I promise you. Uh So stay with us for that. Also, quick, anybody have one more gift idea? I do. Okay. So I I just got a picture from my friend Elisa Sokolo who's a photographer in L.A., she has this amazing stationery where she she goes to the farmer's market, the Santa Monica farmer's market, Mm -hmm. buys gorgeous fruits and vegetables, arranges them beautifully, and photographs them and makes Mm -hmm. them into gift cards. So they are so beautiful. So her present, the gift cards, and her work, obviously. Uh, Yeah. What a good idea. um, But anyone could do that, right? You could take pictures of your food. Yeah, yeah. But when you see, okay, look. Yeah, when you see Elisa's, you'll say, she does it best. So she (laughs) said. She's yeah. an artist. <laughs> She's yeah. really gotcha. talented. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's sokolowphoto.com. I've been using them as thank you notes because, yeah. you know, uh-huh. most of us do our correspondence by email. But I yeah. love to be able to send someone uh-huh. a handwritten note. Do you still do? Yeah, I, I do. That. I like to I do that. I love getting it. I'm not going to lie. I love to get them, I love yeah. getting them. Right? Yeah. And so I've been using Lisa's cards. They're I'll beautiful. give you my address. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I like bacon you know, too. <laughs> I, I want to encourage everybody to really try this. Our phones now take really terrific pictures, yeah. and we mm-hmm. might not be as talented as your friend, but really, yeah. what a wonderful you, homemade though, right? gift. Yeah. This is what I saw in the world. Yeah. Uh, really, that's and what I you're thought saying. of you. But, and or th- to do it as a calendar. Do you, have you Ooh. gotten calendars from, from friends? I'm no. always happy to get those. Yeah. And you can make them yourself now, yeah, right? Well, they make yeah. them. Family nice. photos or where yeah. they've been on vacation. Food, food, food yeah. pictures, food <laughs> pictures. For Dory, <laughs> food <laughs> pictures. I can see someone saying, I don't want to see your lasagna <laughs> for dinner last night on my calendar. Okay. (laughs) All right, all you Christmas Hanukkah people. Um, I'm going to stop it right now because... 
Dory Greenspan and her cookbook are next. And wait till you hear these. I've been waiting for this, including that pork roast with a bourbon sauce. Oh, my God. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Merry Christmas, baby. Middleton, you can sign up for our free podcast, a copy of the show, that arrives in your inbox every single week. You can listen on your schedule. You might like to listen in the car or when it's on the air, exactly, and that's great, but so many of us have a whole podcast list, and this is how we listen now. So if you're that person, go to foodschmooze.org, sign up for the podcast just once, and then it comes from then on. You can keep it as a library and all that stuff. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province at KJZZ in Phoenix, Robin Doyen Aiken, our senior producer, plus our special guest, Dory Greenspan, is back with us. <laughs> and she has, she brings her new cookbook called Everyday Dory The Way I Cook. Okay, some things I know about our guest, Dory Greenspan, who's also New York Times Magazine food columnist. One, she and her husband Michael live part time in Westbrook, Connecticut, in one of the most clever houses I have ever seen. Instead of knocking it down when they first got it many, many years ago, they built a cool modern shell around the outside of the entire structure. They didn't have to take it down. They just put a what? nicer <laughs> facing on it. It's, 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 it's so funny that you remember that so well. Yeah, it's as though the house is slip-covered. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a In great way of doing things. Yeah, we went, we went from a raised ranch to a really cool-looking contemporary. Oh, my goodness. I remember leaving. I said to Dory, how did you find this house in the neighborhood? How did you manage to do that? She said, it's just a shell. And I thought, she is a genius. You know, it's just wow. like in many ways. So, okay, so that's thing number one. Two. Dory wears the best glasses of almost anyone, and she gets them in Paris, where she's lived part-time for more than 20 years. Every year, she has a New Year's Eve dinner party there in Paris with French and American people commingled like a great stew. Like a great stew. I love that. 
And everybody talks. You don't have to speak French. Because remember, you invited me once, and I was terrified to go because yeah, I thought— But you would have had such a good—you know, there's still a chance. <laughs> still Rosetta a chance. Stone. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to speak French. That's great, though. That's what you're going to get for Christmas, please. Okay. Yeah, okay. You have a week to learn. <laughs> um, thing number three, one of the most fun times I've had was being asked by Dory a long time ago to be a taster— for her commercial cookie line. So I went home with lots and lots of tins from her freezer filled with cookies that she made in very unusual flavors. And I was very happy and I gained a lot of weight. Delicious weight. And when you talked about saffron, there were these unusual cookie flavors. Yeah. Incredible experience. Yeah, so the business came and went, and all of the recipes got put into my last book, Dory's Cookies. But it was so interesting to work on cookies where you're just concentrating on one subject and where you're thinking they can be savory as well as sweet. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating mm-hmm. to yeah. do that work. And good with wine that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so number four things I know about Dory, a famous pastry chef in France, uh, sometimes asked Dory to fill her suitcase with American Philadelphia cream cheese and bring it to him, which (laughs) she did. You have the most amazing memory, (laughs) Faith. They don't call it cream cheese. How do they they pronounce it, it, They call it Philly. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. (laughs) But now you can buy it in the supermarket. you can. But it's crazy expensive, and it's just a little— It's not the big two, no, three-pound block. It's like—I don't know what it is, like, you know, two ounces or something in a oval-shaped— yeah. It looks good. But, yeah, and it's only referred to as Philadelphia. And why did he want it? Cheesecake. Isn't that great? That's okay. one of ours, right? Item number five. Dory creates cookbooks, 13 of them in all, that really, really make you want to cook. Thank um, you. This new one is called Everyday Dory. It's filled with recipes she makes at home. That's a really good idea. Food photography, it's going to make your mouth water. It's pretty dazzling photography, I have to say. Um, Dory was inducted into the James Beard Who's Who of Food and Beverage in America. That's a very big honor. She has received what appears to be uh, 10 million food awards for her work. (laughs) No one I know in the food world resents her for anything. She is a generous soul who somehow manages to stay remarkably thin. (laughs) Welcome back. She gives away all her cookies, that's why. What an introduction. Bake and release. That's what I call it. We suffer. That's great. Bake and release. Oh, thank you, Faith. Thank you. All right. So, Chris Prosperi, we asked you if you would make Dory's, because we saw this and we said, oh, it's her Mediterranean shepherd's pie. Yeah. You just look at the photo and you want to make yeah. it, right? Tell it's us so what this good. was like. And it was it. it's really easy. You just need some ground meat. And I used beef, but you could use lamb, chicken, turkey, some sausage. That's how you start with a little bit of oil and you cook that, mm-hmm. you know, sort of break it up as it's cooking. Then you add onion, garlic, a little bit of salt and pepper. Cook that. Add a little chicken broth. Then your spices go in, which is cumin, the sumac that we were talking Yay. about earlier, zatar, which mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. And if you don't have that, you can use the yeah. zest of a lemon yep. instead of sumac. You can use dried oregano if you don't have zatar. Exactly. And it come, I love that come she a gives little those. bit close. Yeah, I yeah, love that but... she gives the substitutes. Harissa paste, which is that spicy paste, but you can use chili powder or harissa powder if you don't have that. Cup of canned crushed tomatoes, which everyone has. And then I I did the same thing you did. I went ran across the 
supermarket and bought peeled butternut squash cubes, yeah, which I've never done did. before. I'm like, and they're frozen, and you just I chuck them those. in. Right, I use them too. <laughs> it was so sure. easy, right? And then at the end, you finish it with spinach, a little bit of butter, and that's it. It's so simple. So you cook that as a mixture. It sounds like a lot of things, but it's a one-pot dish, mm-hmm. really. It's, it's a, it's a one-pot yeah. dish, and it's also, I mean, it's ground beef, and the sausage gives it flavor. Yes. Um, but there's so much flavor in that. Those spices, and as they layered. cook in the, yeah, layered is exactly right, as they cook with the tomatoes, are just filled mm-hmm. with flavor. And then what makes it shepherd's pie... Is the mashed potatoes that go there on top. Go. And you know how we feel about mashed potatoes. <laughs> but you said it can also be, if for some reason you need to go for health reasons or flavor, towards sweet potatoes. Absolutely. Sure. It could be sweet yeah. potatoes. It could be any kind. I mean, the mix is so good that even if you wanted to use that over rice or... My rice, cooks last night were putting it on grilled bread that they... Okay, I was going to say you they could just, do a wrap yeah. with yeah, it. Yeah, they just took it on grilled or, yeah. bread and they were eating it like a, a flatbread almost. Ooh. So, yeah. But this is the kind of recipe I love because, as Chris said, it's easy to make and, as Faith said, it's a one pot. Also, it gives you an opportunity to play around. You taste it. You know, the texture is good. The, the flavors are good. And you think, oh... I could do something else with this. Mm-hmm. So you make the shepherd's pie and you kind of keep it in your head. What did that taste like? Mm-hmm. Then you've got, you know, grilled bread or yeah. you've got pasta or you've got something else. I oh, love recipes. Oh, on <gasps> pasta, like pasta. a bolognese. Right? I love when you can take a recipe and play with it, use just a piece of it, make it the way it's written so you know what it is, and then just... Sure. Dream a little. I'm glad you said that. Alex, aren't you glad hearing that? Because I like to cook like that. It's like make up something kind of, I call it crazy, crazy time. And I'm pulling (laughs) things out and pointing, you know. And it's not that I'm so skilled in this way. It's just that I think, oh, I like that flavor and that flavor. And if I put that on here and then let's just try it. I'm asking you, Dory, to give courage to people who say to me when I say that, Oh, I'm not that kind of cook. I must have a recipe. And so that cook has a recipe. You follow the recipe, but just tuck away in your head that memory of what it was like. And on those days when you don't have all of the ingredients, you're looking for something, you say, oh, I rem- I like that. I can do that. And, and at the end of uh, the recipe, read her choices. That's that little paragraph at the end. You can use turnips or green peas instead of the squash. Skip the extra vegetable. You can also forego the potatoes. At the end of each recipe, you give us that little thing to tuck away in your head for next time. You're not like, boxed in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're not boxed in. And you give us the permission. That's why I always love your recipes. And you give us the courage and the permission to take this recipe and make it our own. And not How? every cookbook does that. I've always done this. All of my books have had either playing around or choices or the French books have had bunny day, good idea. And part of it is because I can never let a recipe go. So I work on a recipe. I work on it. I work on it. You know, I test it. I send it out to be tested. I make sure it's going to work just the way it's written. And then I keep thinking, what if? What if I added this? Or what if I added that? And, you know, the thing about a book is eventually you have to turn it in. And, so, and then it, the recipe's done. Right? And so the playing around and the choices are all those things that I've done, but I can't make the book three times the size. So I leave it to you to do it. The thing about Dory is that she makes things and takes you by the hand, and you too can do them. 
But what you've just described is a real artist at work. The, the like. In the end, knowing when to stop or going too far on purpose and then saying, okay, next time I'm going to stop here. You could have been a painter just now. I've never thought of myself that way. I actually think of myself as a very practical cook. Yeah. What I work on... That's right. I think yeah, that's... what I work on when I'm working on a recipe for a book is a recipe that I know will work, that I know that people will be able to make and enjoy. The only thing I ever want in a recipe is, well, two things. I want people to want to make it, and then I want them to be successful. I want them yeah. to be happy yeah. to serve it. And eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pleasure. yeah. So the <laughs> recipes are practical, but there's that what if. Oh, I know. And that's the extra. Creating. That's the extra. So here we go, people. I mean, if I could have an applause to <laughs> machine right now. I've this been is the waiting one. <laughs> for this. Let me just say. I should have made this one. This? Oh, no. I am so glad are you, yeah, are you that make you this one? made. Are you joking? This is Dory's bourbon roasted pork loin. Now, I'm a bourbon drinker, and I love a well-made Manhattan, and that's all fine. But in regions, things go together. Liquid things mm -hmm. often go together with, you know, solid things. So you see the wines going with the food very naturally. This is a match made in heaven, bourbon and pork. <laughs> Tell me about this. <laughs> so. I am not a bourbon drinker. I am convinced that I will drink cocktails for breakfast in my next life, but I don't. <laughs> in this life, I'm uh, only a wine drinker. Yeah. Mm. But I was in, and now, how do you pronounce it? Was I in Louisville? Was I in Louisville? Was I in Louisville? Louisville. Yep. That's where <laughs> I was. <laughs> Thank you. And now I don't have to say it again. Louisville. Louisville. And um, so you had some bourbon. And there's like bourbon is you know it just about the comes water. out of the tap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I got so interested in it. it was the it was smell. the smell of oh, exactly? Yes. I love the way it smells more than the way I love the way it tastes. I love the smell. But it was it was being in kind of barbecue country and mm. being surrounded by bourbon and the smell of bourbon that made me think I want to make this dish. And I came back and worked on this dish so it has mustard, oh, yeah. grainy mustard, it has the bourbon, it has honey and brown sugar, and it has sriracha, which like is that. not at all from Louisville. Oh, I love this. But I thought it would just pick up all of the flavors. And sweet and, the and contrasting yep. thing, right? Yep, just a little pickup and apples and onions. And apples and onions. How does the bourbon get on there? It, are you painting it on, or what are you doing? I'm rubbing it. You may have called me an artist five minutes ago, but mostly <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, yeah, I'm mostly like in there with my hands touching my food. You said massage. I'm thinking of how Julia Child used to say, you massage the butter into the chicken. It feels good, and the chicken likes it too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's, you got it from her. <laughs> I'm rubbing. I'm rubbing the pork as, as I'm rubbing this picture right now, yeah. describing it to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, into the pork. And you know, this is this could be a Tuesday night dinner. Yeah, it's I like the just, way you score it too. The top so well, it gets in it. So it's so interesting mm -hmm. that, to me how beautiful simple food can look. Mm, you know, I'm not a decorator. I don't fuss over things. I don't mm. add anything extra to yeah. a dessert dish, mm. and I don't add, add it to food. And yet, because the ingredients are so beautiful, the yeah. dish is beautiful. Agreed. I know. Can I say, I wanted to thank you, Dory, 
Those two recipes that we just focused on, Mediterranean shepherd's pie and this bourbon roasted pork, are on our food site. And we thank you for your generosity with that. And there's one more that we have, too. You can find them at foodschmooze.org. Next, we're going to be talking, you know, Dory is it's just the most remarkable baker. I've certainly been at her house with Michael and had delicious, savory things. But then the desserts come out and you just think, what in the world? How does it happen that someone has a talent for this? So you're going to find out next about a triple layer parsnip cranberry cake. Crazy, right? It Whoa. is the most gorgeous thing to look All at. The, time. the flavors. Okay, we're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We love the loco. Please support your local food growers and food makers. You can get an on-demand podcast of the show, as we mentioned earlier, at foodschmooze.org. Just sign up once. You know we're online. We want to hear from you on Facebook. And we'll be right back with the things that we have promised in Dory's book. Don't go away. is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island that meets the Hamptons, too. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear this show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online, waiting to make you happy at foodschmooze.org. We are with Dory Greenspan, our special guest, and her new cookbook just out is Everyday Dory. It is the way she cooks. These are recipes for home cooks. I know Dory's food really well, and it is always a smash. And I know we have a huge crowd of people who love what she does, and I can't wait. You know how I was talking about the bourbon and the pork roast? This is a cake. I don't bake anything. I am scared to death of baking. I took one look at this cake, and I thought, that's for me. You can do wow. it. You can so do it. Can I? Can yeah, I? Okay. you really can. Oh, you Triple really can. Triple layer parsnip and cranberry cake. Wow. And you say that cakes blare the word celebration. And this is the most unusual combination. It looks I so know. incredible. And it is so incredible. I made this for Thanksgiving dinner. So I was thinking about carrot cake. I have a carrot cake that I've been making for years. I it's, know it. Right? Yeah. The one from yeah. Baking from My it's Home to Yours. Yeah. Thank you. It's a, I think it's a really good one. And 
I was thinking, maybe it's time after 20 years to think of a new carrot cake. And I thought, hmm, what if I mix carrot and parsnip? Yeah. Right? And Mm. then I did that, and the parsnip was so good that I thought it can stand alone. It can be its own cake. It's made the way a carrot cake is made, but it's got coriander as a spice. It's not a mix of spices. It has fresh ginger. It's got chopped pecans, some orange zest. And after I had made Mm. it a few times, I thought it kind of wants something tangy. And that's when the cranberries popped into my head. And so I am so in love with this cake. So three layers of the parsnip cake. Mm. There's also brown sugar, so it's got that, Chris, you said earthy. It's got that kind of earthy flavor. Molasses-y. Yeah. And then I made a very quick cranberry jam, just mixing cranberries, orange juice, and ginger together. And I used the traditional carrot cake frosting. Yeah, I was going to say. Cream cheese, yeah. You did the cream cheese frosting here. So it's cake, a layer of cream cheese frosting, some of that cranberry jam cake, cream cheese, cranberry, and then you can decide what you want to do to finish it. You can make one of those bare cakes where you just, you know, a skim layer of frosting around it. And then Mary Dodd, who's my recipe tester, I was going to leave it plain because I leave everything plain. She said, you know, it would be so pretty with some sugared cranberries on top. And so it was Mary's idea to top it with cranberries. And that makes it really a party cake. You could bring this to Christmas dinner. You could bring it to a birthday celebration. New Year's Eve. It's so simple to make, so delicious, and it just looks so good. The ingredients themselves are what make it look so beautiful. And this is like a quick bread, so they're easy to make, right? This is not making a a, a sponge cake. Yeah, that's where I lose it. No separating eggs. No separating eggs, eggs, no no whipping the eggs and folding them back, and then I'm done. But this is just, you just mix it all together. This is the most exciting cake of the year to me, Because parsnips and carrots are, you're the first. Yeah, you know, I just course, have right? a sweetness to them. Exactly, as but carrots the, do. Yes, as yeah. carrots. I mean, so they're I would, always together. They're right next to each other in the supermarket a lot of times. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you chose this cake because I'm really excited about it. And I've yeah. been making it over and over. And mm. are people, people are like, wow, right? Yeah. Do you like, freeze it? Do you ever freeze it? So in the instructions, the author says, <laughs> right? I like the author, what by the way. What does the author say? The author says that you can make it a few days ahead. Nice. But you know, mm. I did freeze it. I made it over the summer, and I had half of the cake left, and I thought, Why I'm not? just going to freeze the whole thing. And it was fine. So you heard it here first. So you froze the whole cake? I froze the whole thing. Breaking yeah. news. Right? Breaking yeah. news is, wow. yeah, with the yeah, frosting, with the frosting and without the little berries yeah, on, the top. on top. Mm. But the cranberries inside yeah, and the fine. frosting, and it was great. Yeah. But in the fridge, just if you're not going to freeze it or anything, five days. You yeah, can, that's right. And it tastes better if you make it ahead and put it in the refrigerator because, you know, anything with spices, a cake, cookies, quick bread, they always taste better the next day and the day after. Yeah, it's true. It needs time for the spices to really Distribute. come into yeah. their own. Yeah. So this is this is a party waiting in your refrigerator. So cool. Oh. I'm in. I'll try this one because I can make quick Will bread. you? Oh, yeah. Baking powder and baking soda, that's my game. 
folding eggs and fluffing things and no, baking like is, that. That's like a, technical. I can mix basic. baking powder and baking soda together. Yeah. Chris, make, make it cake. when I'm around. You got it. Yeah. Just, well, I just want to try. <laughs> and I want to make it because I really want to try it. Because I love carrot cake and I've made I carrot did, cake yeah. before because it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. So it has the moistness yeah. that carrot cake yeah. you know, has and the coriander in it. I don't know where it came from. It just Such came. Such a good idea. But it's a great combination wow. with the, with the brown okay. sugar and the parsnips. It's yeah. not only in the cookbook, and we have information okay. about the cookbook at our site. Everything you need to know about the book and about Dory and the three recipes that we featured on the show are up there, too, thanks to Dory's generosity. So that's foodschmooze.org, the book, Everyday Dory. So remember when you were on the show with Dory's Cookies mm-hmm. and that the book. And so Robin, senior producer Robin, said, you know what? Why don't we put up? I just thought this was so, so smart of her. Let's put up the cookie recipes oh, from great back then idea. in case you're waiting to the last minute to make your holiday cookies, whatever it is, foodschmooze.org. Okay. So when you're at home and you're playing, does the playing happen more in your head, you know, or do you start with another kind of recipe and then say, hey, wait, what if I did this and what if... It works both ways. If you remember my house, my desk is in the kitchen. And so I'll sometimes be working at my desk, tapping away, and I'll have an idea and I'll jump up and I'll start. turning it into something or trying to. (laughs) Wow. Um, But lots of times what happens is I'll start making something and I'll taste it. You can't do this so much with baking. You can. But with cooking and I'll think, oh, this tastes like it could use and I'll go rummaging for a different spice or I'll take notes. I do everything by hand in a notebook. If you look at my notes, you can see where I've like crossed out and in a different color pencil put in a different spice or a different meat or something. And you can see kind of how the recipe evolves. But a lot of it happens in my head. Or if I see an ingredient, you know, I'm just shopping in the supermarket and I see something, I think, oh, I could make something from that. You know this thing about being born to do something? Do you feel like you are that person Or did you think that some special training early on pointed you in a direction? What a question. Um, I, I always say I'm lucky to be doing this because I certainly didn't expect it. I trained to do something else. I have all but dissertation for a doctorate in gerontology. I thought, yeah, I thought I would teach or I would be at a research center. I didn't grow up cooking. I started cooking when I got married. I have no formal training. So, Unbelievable. Yeah, so this came really out of first necessity I had to cook and then out of a passion for it. And so I just always think I'm the luckiest person in the world because I get to do something I love. Yeah. So, sounds like a gift. Wow. Right? Well, in, in many, many ways, Alex, yeah, yeah. a gift really. So when I ask this question about baking and gluten-free people, I'm so terrified that the author is going to think that I put the responsibility for all gluten-free people on you, and I am not doing that. (laughs) However, if gluten-free people, which is a huge number, and so I try and include them, Mm -hmm. if gluten-free people are looking at these recipes... How should they think about them? Can they reliably substitute a gluten-free flour in in most of the places where you use 
traditional flour. Okay, so most of the recipes, because this is a cookbook cookbook and not a baking recipe, most of the recipes are naturally gluten-free. The savory recipes are naturally gluten-free. And there are desserts, things like the eaten mess, which um, is, you know, meringue and fruit, poached pears, so those. Perfect. But I've I've had success using the gluten-free flours that are, you know, a cup for cup. So cup for cup is a brand, but also King Arthur makes um, a flour like that. Yeah, and so you can make those substitutes. That's good to know. I wanted to know from Doria if, you know how bakers are so more precise and have to measure, Chris, and then it sounds like the way she just sort of creates recipes on savory side, it's interesting that she's able to do both, both both be a precise baker and use the right amount of baking powder, but then also improvise with spices. And it's kind of a unique That's a good observation. Yeah. You know, it's funny. People always say baking is so precise. And a lot of people will say to me, I don't bake because it's too difficult. And this doesn't speak exactly to what you said, but I always think that if, if you're just starting out, baking is actually easier than cooking. Because if you have a good recipe, you just follow it, right? So if the recipe works, you just follow it step by step, success. With cooking, there's always this judgment call, season to taste. You know, cook the steak until it feels like the the fleshy part of your thumb, right? Variables. Right? Baking is you follow the recipe. Now, for me, I feel like I play until, until I commit the recipe to to paper and, and, and say, okay, tested, done. I feel like I can play with both. Um, so, yeah, I, I, do, I do feel That's lucky. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow, this is fantastic. I always feel this way when you come on the show. I'm just, it's just amazing to have you here. I love being ex- here. Thank you. Thank you, too. Uh, Everyday Dory is the name of the book. The author is Dory Greenspan, who lives in New York. Westbrook, Connecticut, and Paris, all three dividing time. She is a lucky, lucky person, and we're lucky to have her. We're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. Except when Dory's cooking. (laughs) In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Hey, don't want the party to end? Well, neither do we. Talk with us anytime online at foodschmooze.org.